Okay, open your Bibles, if you would, to Galatians chapter 4. We're going to look at one more part of this allegory that's set before us by the Holy Spirit of God with uh, Sarah and Hagar, which represents law and grace. Um, the son of the flesh represents the law, and the son of the promise represents grace. So Ishmael represents the law, that which is by the works of the flesh, and can never be accepted by God, because God says, cast out the bondwoman and her son, right? But the children of promise are pictured in, in Isaac. So, Have you ever wondered in awe that you're a child of God? Have you ever stopped and just thought about it through the week? And it just makes you stop whatever you're doing. And think, the scripture says I'm a child of God, not because of anything I've done, but all because of what Christ has done. And have you ever, have you ever wondered in awe that, that God himself became a man to redeem you? Not just to say all the elect, but you? I was thinking about that when I was putting this message together. And the wonderful fact that the redeemed of the Lord are called the children of promise is what we're going to consider today. We are literally called by the Holy Spirit of God in our text today, the children of promise. That's a title that God the Holy Spirit's given us through the pen of Paul because really the true author of these words is God the Holy Spirit. He just used Paul as an instrument. And the Holy Spirit of God tells us in Galatians chapter 4 that we who believe are we who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, we who are born again by the Holy Spirit of God and washed in the blood of Christ, we are called the children of promise. Think about that this week. Meditate upon that this week. This is truth. This is without a shadow of a doubt. We are called the children of God. And let's read verses 21 to 31 of Galatians chapter 4. We see that the Holy Spirit of God sets forth by the pen of Paul an allegory which shows us that law and grace do not mix and that we are in fact, in fact, the children of promise. It's a fact and it's going to be set forth in this text again by the Holy Spirit of God. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Me, a sinner? A child of God? A child of promise? My. It's wonderful. I'll tell you. I hope, I hope you leave here with your heart rejoicing today over this precious truth. Look at this. Galatians chapter 4, verses 21 to 31. Tell me, ye that desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh. That's Ishmael. But he of the free woman was by promise. Remember, God promised that Sarah would have a child in her old age, and that was Isaac. For this Agar, or which things are an allegory, for these are the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which gendereth the bondage, which is Agar. For this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and answereth to Jerusalem, which now is, and is bondage with her children. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, 
which is the mother of us all. For it is written, Rejoice thou barren that bearest not, break forth and cry thou that travailest not, for the desolate hath many more children than she which hath an husband. Here we go. Now we brethren, look at this. Now this is a fact. This is a fact set before us. Now we brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. That's a fact. We are literally called here by the Holy Spirit of God, the children of promise. My. But as then, he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the Spirit, even so it is now. We're going to look at that today. Nevertheless, what saith the Scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. Now, we see in verse 29 there, the Scripture proclaims that the child of the flesh persecuted the child of promise. That's still true today. That's still true today. Still true. Let's read that again. But as then he that was born of the flesh persecuted him that was born of the spirit, even so it is now. Ishmael was about 13 years old when, when Isaac was born. And Isaac was the child of promise. Remember that Ishmael was the child of the flesh, produced by the flesh, because Sarah said, we'll go into my handmaiden, and, and the child will be produced. She didn't believe God, did she? See, she, was, she had unbelief, just like us, right? We all struggle with that, see? We're no different, right? We're no different than any of the saints before. I love when Peter says, Lord, help my unbelief. That's, yep, isn't that all of us? Yep, Lord, help my unbelief. And he does, he does. Now think of this, in like manner, our physical birth preceded our, our spiritual birth. We were born children of the flesh. We didn't know we were God's elect. We had no idea. Couldn't tell us apart from anyone else. Right? So we were born physically first, before our spiritual birth. And in our, in our unregenerate state, we had no understanding of the promise of God. We had no idea we were children of promise. But that didn't change that fact. Isn't that amazing? We were born children of promise, and we didn't even know it. We had no idea. I was thinking back about how I, I had absolutely no interest in God. Zay and I were talking this week about how the only people who doubt their salvation are saved people. I, I remember reading Spurgeon. He said, unsaved people don't, don't doubt salvation. Never. They don't even think about it. But believers doubt all the time. Isn't it amazing? It's so true. It's so true. Oh, my. <clears throat> so we were born like Ishmael, had no, no, we were children of the flesh. No idea about the promise of God, the, the promise that God gave Abraham concerning Isaac. And, and we see here, Israel who was, or Ishmael, who was born after the flesh, mocked and persecuted Isaac, who was a child of promise. That happens today. That happens. That Well, Tom, you were telling me it was hard to be a Christian in the army. You know, it, it just, you get, you get mocked by people sometimes. They doubt you. They, they, they bring things up. I remember that when the Lord first saved me. 
people thought, what happened to Wayne? What happened to him? Well, now I love the Lord. I'm born again. I'm not the same person, right? Just like we see Nehem coming out of that water. Remember on Wednesday? What's he say? He's praising God. He's praising God. He's a changed man. That's what happens to us when we're born again. We're changed people. And our text says, even so, it is now. It's still. Still today. The natural man, especially religious folks. Now, religious folks can be some of the worst people around. They can be, they, they can come at you more than anyone else. I'll tell you. We've experienced it, haven't we? I look across, some of you are smiling, because we all know, don't we? We've experienced that. They can be the worst. My. My. Now, think of this, though. Think of this. They're products of the flesh. If they're not born again, they're products of the flesh. They have a religious system. They, they, they have their standards, right? And if you don't measure up to those checklists, I call it checklist Christianity. If you don't check their boxes, well, see, we're born again, and we're a bunch of sinners saved by grace, aren't we? Right? And we rest and trust every day in the crucified one, in the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing we're but dust, knowing how much sinners we really are. And now, the only reason we know that is because we're born again by the Holy Spirit of God. See, God's made us to differ. You know, the Lord took me out of, out of being a Pharisee. I was reading a thing this, this week about hypocrites. And I said to Vicki, I said, oh my gosh, I'm reading that first section about identifying the hypocrite. And I went, I was there, it was me, that 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 was me. Right down to a T. Critical, critical. And that's one of the main things, is critical, being critical of. And I'm like, my gosh. And then it comes to the, then it comes to the section of the true versus the hypocrite. And it says, well, the person who's born again, now, now they realize they're the chief of sinners. Now they see their sin more so than anybody else's. And I'm like, oh my goodness gracious. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Right? And he said, as we grow in grace, we start to see our sin more and more and more and more and more. Right? Isn't that amazing? Oh, it's wonderful. It's one, and that's all the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And then we have peace and joy. He went on to say, then the true believer has peace and joy because all our sins are forgiven. All of them. Oh, it's wonderful. I want to share that with you because it's so wonderful. See, that's why we're to make our election calling sure, right? We examine ourselves, don't we? Oh, my, look what the Lord's done. Look back on your life before you were saved and look at, look at now after you're being born again and just marvel at what the Lord's done. It's all his doing. It's all his doing. It's marvelous. Marvelous. So people in the flesh, they hate God, but they can't, they, they don't verbalize it all the time. They don't verbalize it. But see, they can't get at God, can they? But they can get at his followers. You see? They can get out as followers. And they manifest that hatred for God by persecuting Christ's body. My, oh my, oh my. <laughs> Turn to John chapter 8. Look at this, John chapter 8. 
I, like I said, I, I, I hope that at the end of this message that we're just, we're just rejoicing as believers, that we, we are the children of promise. It's a fact as we saw in the text there. Look at this in John chapter 8. Look at this. Now, I read several commentators on this, and it says they believed on him, but these were mere professors. And we're going to find out that they're mere professors. They, they say, oh, yeah, we love you, Jesus. But we're going to find out that these folks here are spoken of were not true believers because we're going to see what the Lord says to them later on. Then said, verse 31, verse 31, John chapter 8, certain in verse 31. And we're going to go all the way down to verse 47. Then said Jesus to the Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Look at that. Are we free? Oh, how free we are, beloved. It's wonderful. We're free. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man. You call me a sinner? I'm not in bondage. You see? Remember when we first heard somebody call us a sinner? What do, how did we react in our natural state? I'm not a sinner. Oh, yes, we are. <laughs> Look at this. Oh, my. We be Abraham's seed, and we were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? See, they don't even know their state. Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the son, now let this just pierce your heart. This is wonderful. Let if the Son, therefore, shall make you free, and we are free. We're free from the penalty of our sin. We're free from the condemnation of our sin. We're free from the law of God. We're free from the justice of God. If, ye shall, if the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. And we are, aren't we? Praise be to God. We are. I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me, because my word hath no place in you. You see, there's the natural enmity right there. There's the natural enmity of natural man. They seek to kill Christ, the God-man, God incarnated in the flesh. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and you do that which you have seen with your father. Now look at that. He's identified them. He's separated them there, hasn't he? This is the hand of providence. The bony hand of providence, the finger pointing down. Oh, my. Look at this. Our Lord's going to tell them who their father is. It's the devil. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Now, look at that. They're clinging to a man, aren't they? Oh, Abraham is not the Messiah. He never claimed to be the Messiah. Right? They answered him and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto him, If if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. What did Abraham do? He believed God. Right? He looked to the Messiah. He believed God. He believed exactly what God said. But now you seek to kill me, a man that has told you the truth. Remember what Paul said earlier in, in our chapter? He said, um, he said in verse, um, where is it here? in Galatians. He says, 
He said in verse 16 in chapter 4, Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Sounds familiar to our master, doesn't it? Look at this. Our master says, I've just told you the truth. Which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Ye do the deeds of your father. Then said they unto him, We are not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Oh my goodness. Clinging to their traditions, aren't they? Clinging to their descent from Abraham. Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, you would love me. Why do we love, why do we love God, Christ? Because he loved us first. Amen, brother. Yeah. You would love me, for I proceed forth and, I, and came from God. He came, he came down. Remember, he came down from heaven. Neither came I myself, but he sent me. Praise God. Praise the Lord that God the Father sent the Son to redeem us from all our sins. Eh? What mercy, what love then the Father has for us. We're called the children of promise because it's so. Oh, we're chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. Look at this. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. Revelation. Christ must reveal himself to us or we never know him. He gives us ears to hear and minds to understand the word by power of the Holy Spirit of God. You are of your father the devil and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Look at that. He just telling them the truth. Which of you convinces me of sin? What a question. And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? Now look at this. And praise God for this. Do you hear the word of the Savior through the preaching of the gospel? Do you hear the Savior's voice through the word when you're reading it? Glory be to God. Look at this. He that is of God heareth God's words. Isn't that amazing? We, our ears were stopped before. We couldn't hear nothing before. We've been given hearing ears, beloved. What mercy. Therefore, or he says, ye therefore hear them not, because you're not a God. Man, he's made a distinction there, hasn't he? And see, the only one who made us to differ is God. Is God. Because we're the children of promise. We're the, nothing in us that would merit that, but no, we're the children of promise. Natural man's hatred against God is, is manifested by persecuting God's people. Now look at verse 30 of, of Galatians chapter 4 here. Oh my. Oh, isn't it wonderful to read the Master's words and find such comfort in them? Find such comfort in them? Oh Look at verse 30 here of Galatians chapter 4. Nevertheless, what saith the scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. In this inspired allegory, Hagar, which represents Mount Sinai, the law, and her son Ishmael represent all the legal works of the flesh. All the legal works of the flesh. And we see that we are expressly commanded to cast them out. There's no room for, for works 
with grace. It's either all of grace or there's no salvation. See, if someone says, well, it's all the works, well, you don't know the gospel, right? Because the gospel is all of grace. It's all what Christ done. If we put anything that we do in it, see, so we're, we're to cast aside the works of the flesh. Anything that we were counting on, cast them aside. Cast them out of our lives. You know, remember in religion, you had to read your Bible so much. You had to do all this. You had to, all that stuff. Now, is it good to read the Bible? Absolutely. I would never say don't. But I would rather read a chapter or, or five verses with understanding, go through that and just mull it over my mind continuously than read chapters and chapters with no understanding at all. That's why I like the verse-by-verse studies. Because we're able to see what the Word says. That's, and that's really what it's about, what the Word says. It's not my opinion, but it's what the Word says, right? And that's how we learn and grow. That's how we learn and grow. And when, when someone declares that the believer is free in Christ and not under the law, right away people say, well, you're an antinomian. They say, well, you're, you're preaching lasciviousness. You're preaching that you can go out and do whatever you want. I've never heard a grace preacher do that. You know why? Do you know we're ordained to works? Good works? In, in Ephesians chapter 2, it says this, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And you know what? We don't even know when we do them. Remember the Lord said, when you do it unto one of mine, you do it unto me. Just even giving a glass of water. Now, we don't give a glass of water to a brother and sister going, oh, I'm going to get blessed. We don't do that. They come over to the house. We say, hey, you want something to drink? Yeah, yeah let's sit down and talk, you know, right? See, I remember in, in religion, every little, I even heard one guy say that him and his buddy were out. Now, this is how far religion can take this stuff. This is, this is just incredible. I, when I heard it, I looked at him and I said, and I know this young man. And I said, I, you're really serious. You believe that? And he goes, oh, yeah. I said, well, that's so wrong. It's not funny. Him and his buddy were out, both professing Christians. And they see an older lady trying to go into a, to go into a department store. And he said, man, my buddy beat me there. And he got the reward before I did, opening the door for her. What in the world? And he really believed this. Let us rejoice that Christ is our reward and it's not based on any performance of us. Isn't that wonderful? It's not based on any performance by us. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. So we have a responsibility to perform good works. We just don't know when we do them. And God's ordained them. He's ordained them. We did, but they have no, in no way they, they justify us before God. No way at all. Nothing can justify us before God except for Christ. You see? It has nothing to do with our salvation. It's just things that God's ordained for us to do while we're on this earth. And again, those, 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 those brethren in, in Matthew, I think it's Matthew 22, they said, oh, why did we do this? My, oh, my. Isn't it wonderful? We don't even know. Oh. 
see, but when one preaches good works performed to appease God's wrath or win favor with God or avert punishment with God or gain reward or good works performed for the purpose of affecting God in any way, twisting his arm so that he has to do something over here. Remember in religion, you gang up on God, everybody pray. Get, let's get more people praying because then God will do it. No, God doesn't. Now we lift up our prayers in a little prayer group, right? Lift them up to God, whatever he wills. You will, Lord, whatever you will. Oh, my. But anytime anyone's trying to gain merit and favor with God by anything they do, it is one of the most monstrous evils in all the world. It's an abomination in God's sight. Think of this. He sent his son to be a payment for sin. And man is going to offer up his own works in, 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 in place of that? You see how monstrous it is? Yeah, fruit of thy hands. Yeah, It's monstrous. It's, God looks at that as an abomination. Now think of that. What mercy we've received. Because we're the children of promise. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. And good works give give people a confidence, a comfort, and an assurance before God. They 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 think that they assure him of assure them of divine favor, but they're actually damning delusions. God's given them over. My I praise God he saved me out of that. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Oh, my. Christ alone is our atonement for sin. Christ alone is our righteousness. Christ alone is our insurance. Christ alone in, in his obedience alone is the ground of our acceptance with God. Nothing in us. We're mere receivers of grace and mercy. Christ alone merits God's favor and approval for us. The Lord Jesus Christ alone makes us worthy for heaven, qualified for heaven for eternal glory and for the presence of God's glorious holiness. How? By his redeeming blood. Saved by the blood of Jesus. We trust Christ alone. To mix our supposed good works with the work of Christ for justification, sanctification, assurances, is to totally deny and make void the grace of God. We'll see that in chapter 5. Anytime anyone adds anything, anything to the finished work of Christ, it makes grace void. No effect. Serious business, isn't it? Serious business. My. And the only person in all the world who will be upset or offended or enraged by this plain declaration of the gospel is one who's trusting in their own works. Think of it before the Lord saved us and someone came and talked to us about grace of God and salvation in Christ, how did we react the first time? I know how I reacted. I can't repeat it here. My, oh my. But God changed me. Born again by the Holy Spirit of God. Look at the work he's done in us. It's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. And remember, Paul asked the Galatians here, am I your enemies because I tell you the truth? Do you see... Works mongers hate the truth. They hate the truth. 
Because you know what it does? It takes any power away from them. It destroys their pride, their, their positions. It takes all that away from them. And it magnifies the Lord Jesus Christ. It puts God in his rightful place, doesn't it? And it puts man right here. Here we are. We, I like what Scott used to say. We make our headquarters in the dust. That's where, we, that's where the command center is, is in the dust. <laughs> it's so true. And God's way up there, isn't he? Oh, it's wonderful. Oh, it's wonderful. So this, this allegory here gives us cl clear instruction of how we're to cast out our own sinful works and, and, and stuff. We, we just, it has nothing to do nothing to do with salvation. We must embrace the Lord Jesus Christ and his perfect redeeming work for us as our only acceptance before God. Before a holy God, right? He's made us holy, hasn't he? By clothing us in his righteousness. He's made us holy. Oh, and, and our God, our God tells us in Romans 3 that our works are like filthy rags. He tells us that. See, but... The problem, and the problem is before we were saved too, we didn't believe it. But we believe it now, don't we? Oh, now we see the perfect, precious, redeeming work of the Lord Jesus Christ for me. And we just say, why me? Because it pleased God to do so. My my. Look at verse 31 now. It says, So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. And we're to, be guard, we're to be on guard. We're to be on guard against error. We're to be on guard when folks say, say um, you have to do this to be saved or that. We say, no, that's not true. That's not true. Look at this. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. We have received the spirit of adoption, beloved. And we are children of the Most High God, children of promise. Our Lord again said in the text we read, If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. We were held by the power of darkness. Christ set us free. He set us free. We were held by the power of Satan. Christ set us free. We were held fast in the prison house of unbelief. Christ set us free. We were slaves to sin in our sinful nature. Christ set us free. My, let's go back to verse 28 now, and we'll read this. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. We'll make full circle back to this verse, and then next week, or no, the week after, we'll be going into chapter 5. So if you want to pre-read that, it, chapter 5 is magnificent. All these, the whole Bible is magnificent, but chapter 5 sets forth our freedom. It's just absolutely beautiful. So now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. So he's telling the Galatian believers here, you're children of promise. You're children of promise. So marvel at what the Holy Spirit's saying to the people of God. The born-again, blood-washed people of God, we believers are children of promise just as Isaac was. Think of this. Isaac was promised to Abraham. We are promised and given to the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaac was conceived and born beyond the strength and course of nature. We are born spiritually by the power of God, the Holy Spirit. As Isaac was an heir by birth, 
as the son of Abraham, we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. My. Ishmael, the son of the flesh, mocked and persecuted the son of promise. Even so, the false prophet, those who think that they can be justified by their works, they mock the two children of God, the children of promise. Salvation by works and grace are opposite. Salvation by works is here. Salvation by grace is here. And they do not mix. They are total opposites. Total opposites. They do not mix in any way. They're contrary to each other. My. And you ever notice believers don't mock people. But unbelievers mock the people of God. In works mongers, they mock the people of God. My. Think of this. We're his covenant children. We're his covenant children. The blood of Christ. By the blood of Christ, by the blood of the everlasting covenant, we've been cleansed from every spot and stain. Everyone. Nothing can be laid to the charge of God's elect. Absolutely nothing. 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 Not one charge. Nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ. Nothing. All of God's promised children are in Christ. Can we therefore then be separated from Christ? Never. Nothing we do can separate us from Christ. We're his. That doesn't give us a license to go crazy, does it? No. Because we're ordained to good works, right? We don't want to go out that door and go crazy. Because people right away, they say, oh, you're preaching like that? You're preaching that you can do whatever you want. Nope, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying God's got us. I was thinking about this this week. If God's got us and he says, I'm going to keep you, you're kept by the power of God, then no one can pluck us out of the Father's hands, like he said. No one. We're his. We're in a double grip. God the Son and God the Father. Double gripped and kept. Can anybody take us out of the grip of God? No. No one. Isn't that wonderful? That's so wonderful. And absolutely nothing can be added to perfection. Christ is perfection. His salvation was a work of perfection. And all of God's promised children are in Christ. The law has no claim on us. The law has no claim on us. He fulfilled the law of God by perfectly honoring it all for all his promised children. And all of God's promised children were in Christ when all the sin of the elect were laid upon him. And when he cried, it is finished, all our sins were laid upon him. And everything God demanded for our sin was paid. And he said, it is finished. It's perfect. Praise be to God. We who are the children of God, we can rejoice, can't we? We can rejoice. Brother Travis, can you close?